Hey everybody, welcome back to the 14th episode of Sports Island, which of course is your getaway destination for sports news. And of course you know by now that I'm your host, Rick Mitchell. Well, we had a uh, another good week in sports. Um, NHL Stanley Cup Finals wrapped up, the NBA Finals got underway, and baseball's postseason also got underway. But um, we'll go ahead and we'll start off like we normally do in the PGA Tour. And last week's tournament was the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship, which was held at the Corrales Golf Club in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. Now, if you recall last week, I told you that the field of players was just absolutely horrible and that was pretty much true um if you look at the leaderboard there's probably not a whole lot of names the common fan is going to recognize um now i must come clean about something i'm not going to sit here and pretend that i watched this tournament because i didn't um i saw some highlights and that was about it yeah, with with this weekend, you know, with the Stanley Cup Finals still going on, uh, college football and NFL football, I just, yeah, I I didn't tune into this one, um, so I'll get that out of the way. But the tournament itself uh, was actually fairly competitive, even with the lack of elite star power. Um, just as everybody predicted, Hudson Swafford won the tournament. Right, uh, eighteen under par was his winning score, and he had a one-shot victory over Tyler McCumber, and a two-shot victory over the third-place finisher Mackenzie Hughes, who was one of my picks to click. And speaking of those, we'll go ahead and recap those right now. The first pick to click from this past weekend that I gave you was Henrik Stenson, and. I picked Henrik Stenson because he's the highest-ranked player in the world that was playing in this tournament. And he hadn't been playing well, but he was the highest-ranked player, so I went ahead and picked him. And uh, he finished tied for 21st at 9 under par, which is not bad. Um, You know, I count my picks to click as far as when they click as somewhere in the top 25 so I actually clicked on all three but Stenson was the lowest of the guys that I picked at 21st with a score of nine under par Um, my second pick to click was Mackenzie Hughes and he finished third at 16 under par Um, good consistent golf all week his scores uh, 68 67 67 and then uh, even par 70 on Sunday. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he played well. Tied for third or third place by himself. And my final pick to click was Will Zalatoris. And I liked him to win outright. Uh, he actually ended up finishing tied for eighth at 12 under par. Uh, so he was he shot a final round 65. So he was really making a move on Sunday to jump back up the leaderboard. 
Uh, he had kind of slipped a bit over the weekend. But um, I got a third, an eighth, and a 21st on my three picks to click. So I, I clicked on all three, which has happened before. But uh, it's, you know, I, like I said, I did not pay attention to this tournament. So uh, I was trying to keep a follow along with those three guys that I picked, but that was, that was pretty much it. Um, but this weekend, uh, the tournament or the PGA tour heads over to the country club of Jackson in Jackson, Mississippi for the Sanderson farms championship. And again, this week's field, uh, it is slightly better than last week's field, um, but it's not really anything that's uh, probably worth tuning into over the NFL or college football. But uh, there'll still be some decent players out there. Uh, we'll go ahead and I'll make my picks to click for the Sanderson Farms Championship now. Uh, we'll start off, go with Sung J.M. Uh, he's 24th in the world. He was the runner-up here last year. And I think he's got some unfinished business after he actually lost in a playoff hole here last year to finish second. So uh, I like him to come out and, you know, play well, just like he did last year. Uh, my second pick to click is going to be Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler's made a huge uh, huge jump in the world rankings over these last this past year, really, because he was uh, PGA's Rookie of the Year, and uh, he's number thirtieth in the world rankings. He had to miss the U.S. Open because he had tested positive the week before, and so he was forced to miss the U.S. Open. But he's been playing some really good golf lately, and. Uh, you know, he's got a, a win, and i just like for him to at least play well, finishing up in the top 25. But uh, my final pick to click is going to be a repeat. It's Will Zalatoris. Uh, this dude, he's moved up now to number 70 in the world. He keeps moving up, and he has just – he hasn't finished outside the top 25 in a very long time. Um, he's got taking finish tied for eighth at Corrales last week, tied for sixth in the U.S. Open, and both of those were on sponsors exemptions. So, um, but the Corn Ferry Tour, he had eleven consecutive top twenty finishes, and uh, that's still going here on the PGA Tour because both events that he's played in here the last few weeks, uh, he's finished in the top ten. So. I like for him to, again, if we're talking about finishing in the top 25, sign me up for Will Zalatoris. Uh, I think he's he's got what it takes. But um, we'll move on now to the National Hockey League and the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, I last week's episode, I, I was made my prediction. We were three games into the series, but uh, I said the Stars would win in seven games. Uh, but I also said that if Dallas lost game four, then they the series would be over. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, now, the way in which they lost game four is up for debate because 
Jamie Benn got called for a highly questionable penalty in overtime, giving the Lightning a power play that they would eventually score on. Uh, So I think the refs pretty much gave Tampa Bay game four and a 3-1 lead in the series. Uh, And Dallas, I I knew, man, I'm, I'm a homer for the Stars, but I knew that they weren't going to beat Tampa Bay three games in a row. Uh, I figured they might be able to take it to Game 7, potentially, but uh, there was just no way that that was going to happen. The Stars did come out, though, to their credit. They won Game 5 in double overtime. Uh, Man, that game stressed me the hell out. But uh, they made the Series 3-2, and then uh, Game 6, man, they they just came out and were were flat. Um, They had, you know, injuries to... Uh, Radic Foxa, Rope Hintz, and Blake Como didn't play for the Stars in, in pretty much the entire series. And that made a big impact because you had young guys like uh, Nick Camano, um, J- Justin Dowling was playing. Guys that have spent the majority of the season uh, in the AHL were, were playing in the Stanley Cup Finals as as you know third, fourth-line players. And we're trying to be counted on to produce, but Tampa Bay's lineup is just too good and too much firepower for that to really, uh, you know, come back. Basically, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, with Braden Point, uh, Victor Hedman, Andre Palat, you know, they just had and Vasile- Andre Vasilevsky, their goalie, he was playing out of his mind. So. Um, you factor all that in together, and it was I knew it was going to be an uphill battle. But the series really was – it came down to special teams. Uh, both teams had 19 power play opportunities in the Stanley Cup Finals. Dallas was one for 19 on the power play. Tampa Bay was seven of 19. And I, I mean, I'm not real good at math, but one out of 19, that's not very good. And uh, that's, that was the difference in the stars right there. Because uh, even in game six, uh, the, the finishing game, they, they had a, a late power play with about five minutes left that they could have tied or uh, at least gotten within one, you know, put a, put a goal on the board on the power play and make that lead 2-1 instead of 2-0. And uh, really made it interesting the last few minutes, but uh, they just their power play was atrocious, and uh, they were the stars were better off five on five than they were on the power play uh, in this series, which was kind of reminiscent of the Calgary series too. But um, yeah, so I, the Lightning ended up winning the Stanley Cup in six games, and uh, congrats to them. I mean, they they have a good team. You know, they're sal- I don't know how they're under the salary cap with that roster that they have, but they managed to do it. So uh, congrats to them. And Steven Stamkos played two minutes and 47 seconds in the Stanley Cup Finals, scored a goal, and uh, which was enough to get his name on the cup. And uh, congrats to him. That's his first Stanley Cup and Tampa Bay's first Stanley Cup as an organization since 2004. Um, but... Yeah, so that's that was tough to see as a Stars fan. But uh, hockey season uh, is right around the corner. I think uh, reports are that they're going to be trying to fire up next season here. 
sometime in December, potentially. So we'll have to stay tuned on that. But we'll move over to Major League Baseball. They just started their playoffs uh, the other day. And, of course, we know it's expanded playoffs this year because of the shortened season. And last week I talked about um, the venues where the American League was going to play in um, Los Angeles and San Diego, California, while the National League's series would be in Arlington and Houston, Texas. And uh, last week we knew six out of the eight playoff teams in the American League and four out of the eight playoff teams in the National League. But here's how the uh, official uh, seedings went. So in the American League, the top overall seed was the Tampa Bay Rays. I guess it's a good time to be a Tampa Bay sports fan here. But uh, they played the number eight seed, Toronto Blue Jays, which Toronto, man, that team is young and scrappy, and they're going to be good for a while. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, ended up winning that series two games to nothing. Now keep in mind, these, these wild card series games are best of three. So all you got to do is win two games in advance. So Tampa Bay won both of those games, first two games. And they play the winner of the number four and five seed matchup. Uh, the fourth seed was Cleveland, the Indians, and the fifth seed was the New York Yankees. And just last night, the Yankees were able to uh, come from behind and beat the Indians to sweep that series two games to nothing. So that sets up a Tampa Bay, New York, ALDS. Now the lower half of the bracket for the American League, the number two seed Oakland A's play the number seven seed Chicago White Sox. And the White Sox, man, they've kind of had a up and down year. They started off really, you know, good and and their pitching has kind of helped them throughout the season. And then uh, they kind of tailed off at the end and dropped to the seventh seed. But uh, the A's, you know, their offense can get clicking in a hurry. And so in game one, actually, White Sox pitcher Lucas Giolito, he had a perfect game through, I think it was seven innings maybe. Uh, and he was just, you know, when he's on, man, he was he threw a no-hitter earlier this season, first one of the season. And, uh, boy, they got they got a pretty good ace there in Chicago. But that series is tied at one game apiece. Uh, game three uh, is tonight. But uh, the winner of that series plays um, the number three seed, Minnesota Twins, or the number six seed, Houston Astros. Now, last night, Houston Astros were actually finished off Minnesota Twins in two games to complete the sweep. So the winner of the A's and White Sox series is going to play the Astros in the ALDS. Now, the Astros win over the Twins, both wins rather, makes Minnesota, gives them the streak for the longest consecutive streak of playoff losses at 19. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game in a long time. So that's... That that's not something, not a record you want to have, but but there it is. So your ALDS uh, is the Tampa Bay Rays versus the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros versus the winner of tonight's game against Oakland or Chicago. 
Um, I'm going to take the A's, but that could very well be the White Sox um, with their pitching. Now, in the National League, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers were the number one seed. Milwaukee Brewers, number eight seed. And as it currently sits right now, the Dodgers lead that series one game to nothing. The winner of that series is going to play the winner of this series between the number four seed San Diego Padres and the number five seed St. Louis Cardinals. And the Cardinals are actually up one game to nothing after last night's win against the Padres. The lower half of the bracket looks like this. It's the number three seed Chicago Cubs against the number six seed Miami Marlins. And how about, I'll just give a little shout out to the Marlins. How about the Marlins? I mean, they've been bottom of the AL East for years and years. And here they are as a six seed in the playoffs. And they actually won last night. So they have a 1-0 lead on the Cubs in that series. Um, but the final series, the winner of the Cubs-Marlins plays the winner of the number two seed Atlanta Braves over the number seven seed Cincinnati Reds. And Cincinnati is another team that hasn't made the playoffs uh, in, in, a, in a while. So good, good for them to get in too. But uh, the Braves, they won a marathon game one. That game went 13 innings. And that score was one to nothing. Uh, not really exciting baseball on the offensive side, but if you like pitching and defense, that was probably a game for you. But the Braves lead that one one nothing. Um, the American League obviously started before the National League because uh, three of the four American League series are done currently, and the National League just started yesterday on Wednesday. So we'll have to stay tuned for those. But um, I like the Dodgers. Uh, I like the Padres, actually, to win two straight over the Cardinals. I like, honestly, I like the Marlins to win one more game against the Cubs. And then uh, the Braves, they won the AL East, or the NL East, rather. So I I like them to finish off Cincinnati. But um, we'll move on now to the National Basketball Association and the NBA. They uh, they finished up their conference finals, which set up a matchup of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Miami Heat for the NBA Finals. Now, I made my predictions last week for both conference finals, and I did pick the Lakers and I did pick the Heat. Now, they were both up in the series, but um, based on the way that both teams have been playing, uh, I would probably have picked them either way. Now, this series actually started last night, and game one was Wednesday night, and my original prediction for the NBA Finals was Lakers in six over the Heat, but last night, Miami just got hit with the injury bug. Um, Jimmy Butler, he rolled his ankle, so he's dealing with a, a, a bummed ankle, um, he, he managed to finish the game. Uh, that happened in the second quarter, but um, I, I don't assume he'll be 100% for the next game or two. Um, but another injury was their you know, rising star, Bam Adebayo. He was diagnosed with a shoulder strain. Now, this happened a couple series ago 
uh, or last series against Boston, he kind of uh, injured his shoulder on a play against Jason Tatum of the Celtics. And I guess that's probably still bothering him. That's more of a re-aggravation on the strain than it is probably a new injury, but certainly something to keep an eye on because if Bam Adebayo is not at 100%, the Heat aren't going anywhere. Uh, and and if that if the injuries to Butler and Adebayo were bad enough, um, Goran Dragic, they're one of their guards. He uh, he sustained a, a foot injury. He tore his plantar muscle, which that doesn't sound real good, especially for a basketball player. But they haven't officially ruled him out for the remainder of the series. So I'm interested to see how they plan on treating that and what his pain tolerance can be with that because running and jumping is the name of the game in basketball. And if you uh, have a torn plantar muscle, uh, your running and jumping is probably going to be limited. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. Uh, I mean, I said Lakers and six, but if those three guys for the Heat are all playing less than 100%, this thing may be over in a sweep. Uh, it, it might be over in a hurry. Uh, the Lakers haven't gone past a game five in any of their series. They've won all three of their series so far, four games to one. Uh, but the Heat have been rolling. So I, I want to give the Heat at least a little love. But, man, I, the Lakers have two of the top probably five players in the NBA. And the Heat don't even have a top ten player in the league. So um, they're they're kind of at a disadvantage in that regard. But then you throw in those injuries, and uh, this, this thing could be done in four games, five games tops, um, especially if Dragic is out. But we'll move on now to the National Football League. And the NFL, man, we had another exciting week in the NFL this past week. Uh, there were some really good games. Um, Dallas and Seattle came down to the wire. Uh, Green Bay and New Orleans on Sunday night football. That that was a really good game, back and forth. Um, and then that Monday night game between Kansas City and Baltimore. The, the last two league MVPs in Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, that uh, that was a that was a good game, you know. I mean, Kansas City looked dominant in that game, just flat out dominant. And we know that their offense is the best in the league, and it can score from anywhere at any time on anybody. But that defense, if that if Kansas City's defense plays like it did Monday night against Lamar Jackson, this team's going sixteen and zero. Uh, they're not losing. Um, the Chiefs are, they're already one of the toughest teams to beat because of their offense and Mahomes. But if that defense gets it together like it did, I mean, they held Lamar Jackson to 97 passing yards, which is the lowest in his career. I mean, that's the, the reigning NFL MVP to 97 passing yards. Um, yeah, so if, if Kansas City's defense shows up like that on a weekly basis, boy, they're going to be in good shape. And I, I just I wouldn't want to play uh, 
Kansas City at all in the regular season or the playoffs. I think uh, I think that's that's a team that's on a mission. And as of right now, how can they not be your favorite to repeat as Super Bowl champs? Um, but the main news out of the National Football League uh, that came on the beginning of this week, and it deals with some positive coronavirus tests. And we knew it would probably happen. It was a matter of, of when as opposed to if. Now, they made it through the first three weeks without any issues, which, and the preseason, you know, they didn't have any games, but they had training camps and, and everything. So uh, the fact that they made it through, you know, training camp in three weeks of the season before a positive test hit, I mean, that's, that is a true testament to the league and, and their protocols that they've implemented. But the Tennessee Titans are the first team in the NFL to announce positive COVID tests. And they did so at the beginning of the week, which prompted discussions from the league about what to do with the upcoming Titans-Steelers game this week. Now, Tennessee played Minnesota Vikings this past weekend. So on Monday, it was announced that the Titans and the Vikings were both shutting down their practice facilities immediately until later in the week. Well, as of today, the Minnesota Vikings, they reported back to their practice facility today because they have not had any positive COVID tests on their, uh, in their organization, which is great. Um, that shows that it, it's, not as, uh, it's not spreading in the NFL as quickly as it seemed to have spread in baseball for some reason. But um, the Vikings reported back to their practice facility today, zero positive tests there. Now, the Titans, they had reported uh, originally uh, three positive tests among players and six positive tests among staff members early in the week. And they stayed out of their facilities. And the league said, okay, well, we're going to we're going to postpone the game to either Monday or Tuesday, give you an extra day or two to get some more tests in. Uh, but then on Thursday morning, the NFL announced that the uh, Titans had one additional player and one additional staff member test positive, bringing it to 11 total positive tests uh, within this week. A uh, total of uh, five players and six employees, uh, six staff members. Now, after learning about that, the NFL decided we're just going to go ahead and reschedule the Steelers and Titans game that was originally supposed to be played this weekend. So for all you fantasy football players, uh, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Jonu Smith, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, none of those guys are going to be available this week because the game is going to be rescheduled for later in the year which is a bummer, but uh, probably in the best interest of both teams to do this. Uh, so that's, that's something worth monitoring and, and just seeing how uh, the week off can help get the Titans back on track. And uh, we'll keep an eye on the Vikings as well, make sure that they don't have any tests because they have a, their own game this week that they still plan on playing. So uh, we'll have to uh, 
definitely something to keep an eye on in the NFL for sure. Uh, interesting news there, but it's time to go around the island, uh, hit some quick hit topics from, from various sports, and we'll start off uh, in college football, uh, NCAA. Uh, this past week, the Pac-12 decided that it was time to resume play, just like the Big Ten is doing. Basically, taking back their, oh, we're going to start in the fall or the spring season. And I knew that was going to happen because the Power Five conferences, you know, the Big 12, the SEC, and uh, the ACC all along were planning on playing. And they were going to get a piece of that college football playoff without the Big Ten or the Pac-12. But seeing as as well as college football has gone so far and the NFL with regards to their COVID protocols and everything, the Big Ten basically said, all right, we want back in on this. So the Big Ten's getting ready to start here in October. But the Pac-12, the Big Ten's going to play a 10-game schedule. It's conference only. And uh, the, the Pac-12 jumped back into this, too. They're going to play a seven-game schedule, conference only, starting in November. So that'll give them enough time to get done to maybe get a college football playoff team. Uh, I don't know how you could be considered for a playoff spot with only playing seven games, but... At least they're they're getting their name into the mix. So the Pac-12's returning. And just shortly after the Pac-12 announced that, the Mountain West Conference, which is not a Power 5 conference, but it's still uh s- still there. It's they voted to start their football season on October 24th. And they will be playing 8 games and they'll host the Mountain West Championship on December 19th. So this is becoming a trend of all these conferences that said, oh, we're going to wait until January or February to start a season. They are now now coming back to play, which is probably the way it should have been in the beginning. Um, I I don't believe that they should have even considered postponing. Uh, You know, they have protocols in place for this, and the Big 12, SEC, and ACC have kind of spearheaded this thing and uh kind of paved the path so to speak for for the rest of these conferences to to get some games in but uh we'll circle back real quick to the national hockey league and i mentioned that the new season is slated to potentially start sometime in december uh normally an nhl season runs from october to april so they're trying to keep this next season um as close to a regular schedule as possible. So that way uh, we're not concluding the Stanley Cup Finals in September next year. We can, we can get it done, you know, in the June or so that it, that it is done every year normally. But the NHL announced that uh, NHL teams can open their practice facilities for voluntary workouts that can begin in a couple weeks here on October 15th. And included in those protocols would be that a maximum of 12 players on the ice at the same time. Uh, This is very similar to what they did 
during their training camps before the bubble started when they allowed six guys on the ice at the, at the time. But now since we've kind of moved past that and they successfully completed their bubble, uh, the NHL said, all right, we'll give you 12 guys on the ice now for your, your workouts. But uh, so NHL, they're going to be, you know, the bubble just ended. Um, Tampa Bay is still doing their boat parade with the Stanley Cup right now. But in just a couple short weeks, they're going to start beginning some some on-ice workouts and get prepared for a training camp that will take place here in the next uh, month and a half or so. But uh, we'll move over to the uh, to Major League Baseball. And with regards to the playoffs, uh, I talked last week about the venues um, of where American League and National League are going to be playing. But Major League Baseball came out on Wednesday and announced that they will allow fans in the stands for the National League Championship Series and the World Series, and both of which are held at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. Um, the league said that they're going to make 11,500 tickets available for each game of the NLCS and the World Series. Now, I've not been to the new the Globe Life Field. I've, I've been past it, driven past it, uh, but I've not been inside, and it looks really nice. So... Uh, I may I may give it a shot and see what uh, I'm sure the tickets are probably outrageous and I'm sure there's probably some pretty strict uh, protocols in place for that but you know if I happen to stumble across a ticket I, I may venture over there and, and take a peek at that but that's cool at least the, you know 11,500 is a pretty good number um, that stadium probably holds we'll say 40,000 45,000 Roughly, I'm just guessing. Uh, but 11,500, you know, screaming fans, especially in a playoff atmosphere, that'll be that'll be a little bit more what the players are looking for instead of those cardboard fans in the stands with uh, fake crowd noise coming through the, the PA. But interesting that they're not doing that in the American League, which was, is held in California. But um, that'll be cool to see, at least from a – from a spectator's point of view, to have other fans cheering with you. Finally, right, after all these months. But uh, the final topic, we'll head over to the NFL. And, um, man, it's the 2020 has been the year of the cornerback. And uh, there's been several high-dollar corners to get paid this year. The latest came Thursday, and that's Ravens corner, Marlon Humphrey signed a five-year, $98.75 million contract extension, which is in compared to the others. You had Jalen Ramsey of the L.A. Rams, five years, 105. Um, Byron Jones of the Miami Dolphins in the offseason signed for five years, $82.5 million. Buffalo Bills corner Tredavious White, four years and $70 million. And then the Eagles traded for Darius Slay, and then signed him to a three-year $50.05 million contract. So Marlon Humphrey's contract that just got announced on Thursday makes him the second-highest-paid corner in the league, right behind um, Jalen Ramsey. But, man, it's 
it's a good year to be a corner for sure because they're handing out lucrative contract after lucrative contract. Uh, but that's going to wrap up the 14th episode of Sports Island. Appreciate you guys listening, tuning in. Uh, as always, the podcast is available on all major podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get them. Just uh, tune in and uh, appreciate you guys listening and being the best part of Sports Island. So hope you all have a good week. Stay safe, be well, and we'll catch you on Sports Island next week.